1: To moving iron. Hello,
0: man. Welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 310. This additional moving iron podcast is brought to you by Ag Direct. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at AgDirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at AgDirect.com. Uh, I've got Tanner Emkey from Cobank back on here to talk about what's happening out there in the overall marketplace. Tanner, how you doing, man?
1: Doing great, Casey. Great to be back.
0: Yeah, we've got a, uh, never have anything, we never run out of things to talk about. Come on here, you know, we always got something to talk about, so. It's us employed. It does. That's good job security. You're exactly right. <laughs> so we, have we you know, we're kind of spitballing this before we got going, and we, we rambled off a list of about 10 things, and we kind of narrowed it back down to three, and, to me i think there's the three more important things on the uh in the marketplace right now as we see things kind of start to unfold one is uh we we've got some news from the fed and they kind of act like they're gonna maybe not go guns a blazing, but still just you know they're still gonna be shooting from the hip a little bit here trying to see what happens so we got that going uh coming at us we've got this railroad strike thing that's a big deal um if that doesn't get uh, resolved, that could be a, a bigger issue. And then you've got, um, you know, probably two more of the bigger things out there is what's happening with China right now and the protests we see happening there, and the COVID shutdowns, and how that's affecting trade in general. And then we've got we're starting to see some more shipments move out of the Black Sea uh, corridor um, out of out of Ukraine there. So there's a lot of that stuff going on, and we're seeing some movement in all those places. So I guess. Tanner, where do you want to start at? You want to start with the railroad thing first and go from there? Or you want to see?
1: see? Sure. Well, actually, let, let's start with the Fed because that's kind of an easy right. one. Uh, right. I mean that that's been talked about a lot. Um, so Jay, uh, Jay Powell came out today and said uh, that they're he they're willing to take their foot off the brake a little bit on interest rates instead of raising rates seventy five basis points like they have in the last four meetings. Uh, They're looking at taking their foot off just a little bit more, and I think the market is probably pricing in an interest rate hike of 50 basis points, and that's meaningful because they've been raising rates consistently since March uh, to cool off inflation, to slow down uh, the rate of borrowing, to slow down purchases, and to allow the supply chains to catch up and allow supplies to increase and therefore bring prices down um so now that we have some data that has come in through uh, the bls on uh, inflation it appears as though uh the worst of inflation is probably behind us but that doesn't mean we will not have inflation going forward um excuse me we have an office assistant here uh and this is her education here on the the economy she's gonna gonna grow up to be an economist so the so the uh, the path forward here is probably one of uh, l- more rate increases, but not to the extremes uh, that we've seen in the past, because uh, the highs are probably the highs are probably in on inflation and uh, we're probably going to see. Sorry. OK, we're going to have a little. Uh- She's not going to go. Uh, We're probably going to see inflation cool down a little bit. It's not going to be as high, uh, but we're not going to be seeing inflation going away. Uh, It's going to be it's going to be persistent uh, because of all the labor issues uh, in the economy. And so, uh, for that reason alone, the Fed cannot uh, uh, turn away or turn its back on inflation. It's got to keep its uh, hand on the lever and uh, uh, throttling the pace of inflation and uh, Jay Powell also cannot uh convince or make lead the market to believe that they're done because right. the last time he did that uh the markets rallied significantly and it had the opposite effect of raising interest rates uh, it increased liquidity uh, in the economy and that was the uh, the unintended consequence of him being reckless in his language so uh so he was very clear in his language today that um, that uh the job is not done and more rate increases or are in the offing.
0: Yeah. So when you're looking at those interest rates now, and they say they do back off a little bit, <clears throat> especially in the interest the environment that we're in now. So I mean in theory, you're not you're not really seeing a big a big rewind back of the overall uh market really. So you're looking at simple, I mean, I, I would imagine lending institutions are going to leave a very similar uh Rates the way they are, and and they're going to have a very similar overall marketplace. But I guess when you're thinking about that, do you really anticipate seeing a big change in interest rates because of that?
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 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 yeah, interest rates. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Casey. That's all right, man. No problem. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> interest rates are going to uh, continue to go up, and so the, the, I, I think the, those costs going to the cost of funds is going to keep going up and so uh in the, in the in the months ahead that's probably going to be the path that we're on and uh for all borrowers out there they could probably anticipate uh rates continuing to increase.
0: Okay. All right, so long term, I mean going through 23, obviously they've made some some remarks back to what March might look like and that could be we're not going to stop. We're not going to we're not going to start um bringing back interest rates, but if anything, we just kind of stay where we're at for a while and kind of keep cruising at that at that range. Yeah,
1: yeah I think the market was anticipating uh, that the Fed will raise rates into March, mm-hmm. uh, but they're free to change their mind at any time they like. Uh, the Fed's stated uh, goal is 2% uh, on inflation. and There's a long ways to go to get down to 2% from uh, 8, which uh, something is where we've been recently. They got a long ways to go to get there.
0: Yeah, they've got a they got a fair amount of ground to cover there. So all right. So yeah. on that front, looks like everything's gonna stay the same. Um, uh, so moving forward the same way they are. Um, are you seeing anything from working with the people you're working with on the dairy side and those kind of things where you're starting to see some you know, contraction, I guess, of the mar- of the market and supply and, and and demand out there? Are you starting to see some movement there?
1: Well, milk supplies are increasing, uh, and that's been uh, the consequence of record high milk prices. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know farmers, for the most part had very strong incomes this year, and if not record incomes. And so the natural consequence of that is to uh, increase production. Uh, however, uh, it's been very modest <laughs> because the uh, because feed costs are still very high, uh fuel costs are very high. Uh, transportation costs are still high, but they're coming down. uh mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's the, really the cost of feed and labor that have uh, really been a headwind uh, to the larger economy, and uh, especially in agriculture. But uh, you know, in dairy, in the dairy sector, we just haven't seen a rebound in production like we would normally expect. Uh, those costs uh, are still quite burdensome, and so that's going to be a headwind to uh, expansion.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. When you're looking at Let's, so we're on the dairy topic. Let's talk about China, what's going on there. They, they import an incredible amount of milk powder and, and what yes. all the stuff that's going on there. So you start looking at these lockdowns we're having, these protests that we're starting to see, how Xi Jinping decides to handle those things. I mean, right now he's got police just swarming the streets, getting these protesters, uh, uh, you know, back in, in line to whatever, but it's not only really nice. I think, if anything, it's it's increasing the, yeah. the people that want to go out and do those kind of things, go out and protest and, and do those kind of things. So, yeah. looking at China right now, uh, I mean, what's it's
1: your thought, you, know, when you What do you think? Yeah, a terribly complicated situation over the last few days. And uh, they're, you know, Xi Jinping in between a rock and a hard place. Um, he can't not do something, but what he does or the options he has in front of him are probably not good either. Uh, he does. He cannot be perceived as a weak leader if he were to uh, respond in a, in a violent way uh, that may prompt more uh, protests around the country. And remember, this is not like Tiananmen Square, which was one location. Yep. Uh, you, this is all over the country.
0: Oh, everywhere. Yeah.
1: And it's not like you can just send troops into one location and stop it. And so they're probably going to try to come up with some sort of uh, negotiation where they uh, become more lax on their COVID restrictions and more or less restrictive on uh, movements and quarantines and things like that. But at the same time, they're probably going to try to find a few leaders that are in charge of these uh, protests and silence them. And who knows what that means? Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, they're, It's a mixed bag, probably, of how China's going to probably try to respond to this. And it's probably not nothing is going to go well because this is so widespread. And uh, I think the the accepted accepted view here is that the business climate is not going to be good going forward. That's not going to be good for the Chinese economy. And they're already expected to have the slowest economic growth in several decades now uh, in this year. uh, And that's probably probably going to carry over in the next year. And so the concern here is that with the slowing Chinese economy, uh, we're going to have uh slower demand for our agricultural products. Uh, that's the concern going forward. And plus, you know, they have excuse me, uh, they you know, there's all there's all these other uh, issues like a strong currency that the U.S. dollar or the strong U.S. dollar. Um, that creates a further or additional headwinds, but really in China, the biggest uh, dairy importer in the world and a major animal protein importer as well. We got some headwinds here.
0: Yeah. So you you hit on something I was thinking about the other day that, you know, the strong U S dollar, then you start talking about what's happening in China. If everything picks up like we're seeing in Brazil with these, you know, they're predicting the biggest crops ever, which they do that every year. It's not anything different, normal, but um, you know, looking at that and say that does happen. Um, I mean, world supply gets back in check, and we start seeing some some more, uh, you know, stocks and those things coming through. What, what's your anticipation for twenty three? For as far as crop prices go, I know you've mentioned it a few times on the podcast, but I guess you know, really, what's your? Are you as bullish or bearish as you thought you might be? Or are you a little more bullish now? I mean, what's your what's your thought process now? I'm a little concerned about the trade
1: uh, outlook. And that's because we've got, as you mentioned, uh, an expected bigger crop in South America. And then you've got uh, our ability to move uh, our products overseas uh, because of the strong dollar. And then at the same time, you've got uh, the slow uh, movement down the Mississippi River because it's been so dry. And then you've got uh, slower rail movement perhaps coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, 15% of all the grain is uh, moved uh, via rail in this country. You add all that combined and you're going to have a, potentially a lot more grain stranded in the U.S. Now, that's not good for the U.S. Uh, corn, wheat, soybean farmer uh, or cotton farmer or rice farmer. But that's uh, not good, not bad news for the end users here in the, in, in the U.S. Uh, if you're going to be uh, if you're feeding, feeding cattle or pigs or chickens or dairy cows uh, or running an ethanol plant, uh, you're probably seeing this as an opportunity. Uh, to uh, secure
0: uh, secure a grain uh, or oils. All right, so you brought up the, the train um, rail situation uh, the the possibility of seeing a strike there uh, that that is a uh, that's a bad deal. I don't care how you how you look at that. Absolutely, so much, so much of the stuff in the United States gets pushed around via rail, whether it's oil, refined fuels, ethanol, um, grain. You're Everything, all these foods. Foods. I mean, you name it: lumber,
1: all these important commodities that keep the economy going. Uh, yeah. Move on rail, yeah. and uh, you know, for us, fifteen percent of the grain is moved on rail. Ninety-five percent of our ethanol is moved on rail. Uh, a lot of our uh, uh, dairy and animal protein products are moved on rail. And then, of course, there's fertilizer uh, and fuel uh, that's being transported out to the country uh, for the farmer to use. And so, if that were to be disrupted, even for a day. Uh, it takes a long time to get your economy uh, back on again after it pauses just for 24 hours. And so the, the concern here is that if this railroad strike goes through, uh, we we would see uh, the economy pause basically for about uh, 24, perhaps 48 hours, I've heard. The last time there was a strike uh, was 1991, and Congress, through their uh, powers, uh through the, I think the Railroad uh, Labor Act, I believe it's called. Uh, their powers were able to uh, get it back going, and that was signed in, into law. And it was signed immediately by uh, the President George uh, H. W. Bush. That was the last time this happened, uh, where Congress had to use their powers uh, to negotiate something and get uh, and force workers back to work. And so here we are again, and it looks like uh, there's a few sticky points on what Congress be- uh, wants in this bill for these railroad workers. And uh, we'll see what happens if they can get it passed to the House and then the Senate, then it goes on to the president and then it becomes law. But, uh, you know, the, trying to get anything through Congress these days is a little sticky, as you know. Right. Yeah, yeah
0: this is, that's going to be a weird scenario because, I mean, if they shut, even for a week, if they just shut stuff down for a week, the ramifications from that will be, I mean, it's, it'll be the backlash would be probably three or four weeks, everything back to flowing again. So it's just it's like a, it's a bigger deal than what I think people are making it out to be.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, there's so much writing on this. I think the markets have priced in a lot of, uh, or a lot of the markets have priced in a potential delay. Mm -hmm. And um, so if they get something signed, uh, that'll be positive for markets. It'll be a huge sigh of relief uh, when that uh, is finally passed. If, Congress uh can uh, p- uh push something through and then it gets signed by uh, the president
0: yeah it's gonna be a something to definitely pay attention to because here again there's was there five labor unions or something like that on on the rail side and four of oh, them uh, are, are good to go one's not and they've all agreed to it at one time at least in principle somehow and then you know backed out here and there so it's uh it's that's a sticky situation yeah. it's going to be a big deal.
1: Yeah, it comes down to what I think the sick paid leave, and you know a lot of these uh, railroad workers were have been overworked over the last three years, uh, uh, two years uh, for the uh, since the pandemic, yeah. because so many railroad workers left and they were so understaffed, and then the economy came roaring back and uh, moving product around the country when the economy was uh, awakening out of its pandemic pandemic slumber. And uh, there was so much demand for freight, and they were woefully understaffed, and the uh, the wages didn't keep up uh, with what was going on in the economy. And the last uh, wage increase they'd had had been quite for been quite some time. So uh, I I sympathize with railroad workers. Hopefully, this is uh, something that gets resolved with Congress, and this brings everyone back to work because what's worse than the uh the, the the conditions that the rail workers are dealing with uh would be a shutdown on the economy. Yeah. A lot of people would suffer and then if, of course the uh, agriculture is hugely dependent on rail. Right. It's huge. Yeah. Uh and so I think that is um that's that would
0: be the concern uh, is if they don't get something worked out. Right. <laughs> All right. lastly here, let's talk about the uh the Black Sea um uh-huh. Corridor shipping corridor. That that they went back and and talked about that. Got everything back going. Basically, opened it back up into February timeframe sometime, uh, sometime right. mid February. That that'll be uh, open till it comes back up again, or until someone changes their mind about whatever it is they want to change their mind about. But I guess as you're as you're looking at that, what do you think? What is that doing for the economy or the world grain supply? And how effective is it right now?
1: well i've heard uh, that it's you know yeah russian grain moving and uh, ukrainian grain moving uh now it it that's uh, that's all well and good and that's uh, uh that's that's adding to the supp- the global supply uh, i think the longer view here is that how long does that uh agreement hold now uh, because vladimir putin is really trying to shut down the uh, ukrainian economy by hitting these power stations with rockets and uh hit the Ukrainians as hit the Ukrainians as hard as he can during these cold winter months and really showing no mercy, trying to break their will. So you have to wonder how long uh he would be uh willing uh to to continue that agreement. Um but then the longer view here is that you've already lost a lot of acreage uh in that part of the world, uh with, with Russia bombing all kinds of uh infrastructure and farm fields and things like that that are so important for uh the agricultural economy and i think the the thinking here is that although we have movement of grain right now the concern is that going forward we've lost so much infrastructure and production capacity um we're not ukraine is not going to be coming back uh, to the to the level it once was before right a lot of these grain supplies are from old crop. And so uh, are they going to be able to maintain the, this level of shipment going forward? Uh, well, with so much of their infrastructure gone and uh, yeah, it's hard to say, but it's probably not the case going forward. Yep. Yeah.
0: Do you forever foresee Ukrainian grain getting through, like going through Poland up through like into Germany, maybe being shipped out of Bremenhaven? I mean, I don't even know what the capacity for for grain being shipped out of that port looks like but do you do you see something like that ever transpiring
1: uh it's hard to do that uh on rail uh, it's because they have different gauges of rail Yeah. Uh, so um trying to offload from uh, at the border from one train to another is extremely cumbersome and um it's not easily done it can be done but it's not done efficiently or quickly by any means so i guess if you're desperate enough you can make it happen but uh, really, that corridor out the Black Sea is the way to do it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we have uh, a lot of stuff happening right now, and you're looking at at your kind of crystal ball here going through the end of the year. What's your, what's your thoughts here on 22 going into 23?
1: Well, it's a timely question. Uh, Casey, we've got our year-ahead outlook from CoBank coming out uh, here in the next couple of weeks. And, um, on the, on the big picture for the ag economy is that we're in, we're bracing for uh, margin compression, uh, with, uh, commodity prices coming down off the record highs that we saw this year. Uh, and then, uh, cost of production going up because, uh, that those, uh, production costs are fairly sticky. And so we're going to see a bit of margin compression. Now you remember though, this was a pretty phenomenal, phenomenally good year for a lot of farmers sure. and ranchers. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, that being said, uh, you know, you never want to see, um, uh, you know, farm income go down uh, too much. Right. And so I think the, that's the question going into 2023 is how much of the of a compression are we going to see in farm income?
0: Right. Um,
1: uh, really, it's really going to depend upon uh, what the uh, cost of production is.
0: Right. Okay. Well, Tanner, I appreciate you being on. Um Folks want to reach out to you, get more information about what you got going on at CoBank. What's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, they can reach us at uh, CoBank.com. That's the way, easiest way to find our research and to uh, to contact any of the uh, analysts in our group, uh, Knowledge Exchange.
0: Right on. Okay. Tan, appreciate you being on, and uh, you got you got to get a, a good, uh, sidekick there to help you through the rest of the podcast there, man. I get most
1: of my intelligence from her, actually.
0: <laughs> you and me both. So, yeah, that's, things are working out nice. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Thanks for being on. Uh thanks, Casey. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at moving iron LLC. You can go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. You can also go to uh Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel where you can see the video version of this podcast here. Uh Tanner, what you're on some social media stuff. You're out on um Twitter. What's what's your Twitter handle? Uh my Twitter handle
1: is my first name, last name. T- Tanner Emke, T-A-N-N-E-R-E-H-M-K-E.
0: Right on, man. Okay. So check that out there. He's got to get, he put some good stuff out there. So check that out. So uh, okay. anything Moving Iron related, go to movingironllc.com. And we'll go from there. So in case with Tanner Emke, it's going really smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com.
1: See